Good morning, church, and welcome to our neighbors. Um, I'm glad to be together with you. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Neighborhood Church. Um, occasionally uh, play guitar still. Um, actually, I do it a lot. I, um, I have the privilege of leading for some elementary school kids, um, which is fantastic because I grew up or I practiced um, playing in churches, and we have these wonderful machines that throw words up on the screens, um, but we don't have that uh, at the school, and it wouldn't matter anyway because the kids can't read. And it's just a beautiful, like, it's a beautiful exercise because you, I have to pay close attention to the words and I have to give them to them and then they give them back and then we end up singing together and it's really beautiful. Anyway, that's, that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about together this morning is um, a sermon series that we've been in called The Open Door. And uh, we've been taking a closer look at the teachings of Jesus. Um, anybody who can claim that they're gonna um, be killed and come back to life uh, and then they do it, is probably somebody we should pay closer attention to the other things that they've said. And so we've been looking together in this series uh, at, uh, at a collection of Jesus' teaching, and we're coming to the end of that. Um, and he opens up this, this conversation, not well, we opened up this conversation with a picture of the open door. And what Jesus says is that the world, uh, much like your cell phone, when you unpackage it and you have to peel off the annoying little stickers, like it comes with some default settings, right? And, and obviously, whoever set up the default settings didn't have the same opinions about what a phone should do that you do, because you then go in and you change the defaults, right? Yep, okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, you change the defaults. But Jesus says, hey, the defaults of our world, our world comes with a, a, a set of default settings. And it's really easy. The, the way is broad. There's a big paved road. There's a bunch of people on it. Everybody's walking down it. They're all going in the same direction. And you're born into the default settings of this world that we're in. But it's a wide path and there's a bunch of people on it. But it's in, the place that it ends in is destruction. That when we're born, we're born on a path that is not headed towards life. <laughs> he says, but the good news, I'm going to tell you the bad news because I've got the good news. And the good news is there's another way. I've opened the door to a way of, of truly living, of truly being blessed by God and truly walking with God. And so this series, we've been looking at these two paths, the default settings and the ones that Jesus is extending to us as uh, a better, a truer way to live. Um, and these verses together are that we're going to look at are um, pretty simple. Uh, many times Jesus will use imagery that is common to people of his era thousands of years ago, and most of them were farmers. They were pretty well acquainted with plants and things like that. And um, I, I have worked on a garden in Florida for four years and never done, I've never even gotten a tomato that I can remember. I just, it's, I'm not good at it. So that, all that to say is that I'm, I don't always readily identify with Jesus' illustrations, but this one is actually pretty common to a modern audience. We, I don't have to do a ton of explaining of the illustration, and it's the conclusion of his sermon, okay? Um, so uh, do we want to turn there first? We want to pray first. All right, let's pray first. It's our habit together to pray. Uh, uh, we started already, but um, it's our habit together to pray the disciples' prayer from, from this teaching, actually. Um, it's not a magic spell. Uh, you're not going to rain down blessings on your life, but this is the way that Jesus told his followers to pray. And so I just invite you, if you'd like to say it out loud, then you're more than welcome to do that. 
But at the very least, let's bow our hearts together and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. If you'd like to use the blue Bibles that are tucked under the chairs in front of you, they're a big, big, big font. You can read them from space. And it is on page 1014 in the blue Bibles. You still need your glass? Okay, well. <laughs> okay. These, again, I said these was the conclusion of a sermon. Um, Matthew chapters 5 through 5, 6, and 7 are the longest recorded sermon of Jesus that we have. And the verses that we're going to read and explore a little bit together are, um, are the conclusion of this extensive sermon. It says this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus had finished saying, finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. So the illustration is, is simple enough to understand, I think. He's talking about a house, building a house. Um, and I, if you have seen, like, there's a lot of things that go into building a house, but the thing that seems to take the most time is just like moving the dirt to be in the right place. Have you noticed like the, that you have a land, a lot that's cleared and some guys come and they move the lot or they move the dirt around and then they move it again and then they like dig out the holes and they're gonna pour the footers. It just feels like forever we're just playing in the dirt, right? And that's important because if you don't like get the foundation right, then the rest of the house crumbles. And that's the, that's the whole illustration. Like, I, it's not really that difficult. Um, but I'd like to make three observations for you um, that maybe, uh, or make three observations together um, as Jesus is talking and applying this illustration to his own teaching. He says, uh, the first observation is that everyone builds something. He says, as people are interacting with me, everyone builds something. There is no option to not build. <laughs> um, none of us had a say in when we were born. None of us got to vote on who our parents would be. <laughs> we all are here, and we all are building something. And so the choice then is, is what kind of thing are we going to build? The question is, when we look at the, the sum of our life, what is the sum of our habits? What is the life that we're going to build? There's not an option to not build something. 
when you're here and you're taking breath, you're building something, good or bad. Everyone builds something. It's the sum of your habits. Um, and the second observation is what you build on will make or break what you build. Your foundation matters, right? And the question is, where will you place your faith? Now, we're in church. It's Sunday morning. I'm not like not allowed to use words like faith, but, but we understand that that's a church word, right? Like if, we can't always say faith at work. Like where are you going to put your faith in? What are you going to build your life on? What are you going to, where, where's your faith, man? Because there are, there are people who are skeptical of religion who will be like, yeah, I don't have faith. I don't need faith. I don't. And the fact of the matter is everybody puts their faith in something. You can't actually know everything regardless of what Google makes you think. <clears throat> you have to take, like, how do you know that the world is round? Like, have you seen it? Have you walked it? Have you started in one point and walked all the way around to the other side? Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have that empirical data. That is not observational science to me. Somebody told me, and based upon the pictures or based upon the way the other things work together or based upon my experience looking at shadows, like maybe I go, yeah, that makes the most sense of the things that I can know. And so I just, I trust it. And there are, are folks who will think that I'm an idiot for trusting that the world is round, but that's a different conversation and I'll sidestep entirely. Um, there are just things that, there are things that we don't necessarily understand, but, or that we haven't necessarily observed, but we put our faith in them. Like, I can say that I have, I, I would sit in that chair. I've sat in chairs like it before, and I can't ever remember sitting in a chair like that and, and it not or not holding me. I have a lot of experience with these chairs. I move them frequently. <clears throat> I have faith, but how do you know that I have faith? That worked out good. I was, <laughs> here's, the, here's the one time it doesn't work. <clears throat> but but you, you all, nobody here walked in today and thought like this is an act of faith. Like me sitting down on this chair is an act of faith. No, there's just things that we see and we just believe because it's, we, we just go around. That's how we have to work. We have to assume that um, we, cannot, we cannot actually literally question everything. And so when we talk about the origins of life and things like that, there are some observational scientific things that we can look at and say, maybe this is how it worked. But we have to understand that we're taking even the things that we assume about scientific truths on faith. And so what is our foundation? What are we putting our faith in? What you build on will make or break you. Everyone builds something and what you build on will make or break what you build. Here's the third observation. The storms are going to come. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. I didn't even get an amen on that one. I thought y'all knew that. Oh, that one was easy. The storms are going to come. Like, this is, this is the world we live in. Like, you, you, can, you can save and you can, um, and you can plan and you can, but it doesn't stop the storm from coming. You can, have, you can have all of the resources at your disposal and still not be able to keep the storm away. I, I had the privilege of working for uh, somebody who was just immensely more wealthy than me. I don't even have the ability to understand how much money he had. And yet, when the hurricanes were coming in, he was the most anxious person I've ever met. 
Because even for all of his power and for all of the people that stand up straighter when he walks into the room and for all of the money that he has to be able to nitpick the little details of how you lay the pavers in his driveway, for all of those things, he can't stop the storm. And the storms come. And, what you, and everyone builds something. And what you build on will make or break what you build. And so Jesus says, anyone who hears my words and does them is like somebody who dug through the sand. Who knows that sand is the default setting of the state of the ground in Florida, right? Yeah. Okay, so anybody who digs through the sand down to build something firm, down to some bedrock, maybe not on lime rock, that's not a great idea, but we're going to put a fake foundation in there. Anyone who digs through the default setting of the ground to lay a firm foundation on bedrock, is their house is going to be fine. But everybody who just like goes with the flow and who's, who just naturally puts everything on the surface and doesn't bother to do any kind of digging at all, when the storm comes, when the storm comes, when the storm comes, just washes the house out from underneath you. And the people who heard this first, did you notice their reaction? They're astonished. Say, what? You're not talking like those other preachers. You're talking like you're the one who's going to call the shots. You're talking like you're the one who wrote the book. You're talking like you're the one who's going to be the judge at the end of the line. And he says, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm doing. He says, our life is already growing the fruits that we'll harvest in eternity. And the only hope we have for that is that Jesus opens the door to life and invites us to truly live. I did not earn that invitation. He gives it to me freely. And I cannot understand it most days how great his love is that he would extend it to me. But he, the, the invitation's open and I'm going to take it. But the first question is, are we listening? Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Like, are, are we listening? When, when Jesus speaks, are we listening? Are we going to the word? Are we reading it as though he has something to say? But it's, hearing is not enough. Do you hear? Yeah, I hear. I'm, in here. I, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm, I hear your sermon right now. Like, I hear what you're saying, Mike. I, I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm hearing. Okay, well, good. Do you understand? Yeah, I think I get it. I think I understand. Like, do you know it? Yes. Yes, I know it. Well, great. Do you know that even demons know biblical truth? They've had the book longer than you. They've studied it cover to cover as though it were a, a manual to their greatest enemy because... It's a manual to their greatest enemy. They know it backwards and forwards. To know it is not enough. And I have been and sat in classes with guys who know it better than other people, but none of it has gotten into them. Do you agree with it? I don't know, some of it. (laughs) Would Would you restate it in your own words? 
Well, yeah, I, I could probably restate these truths in my own words. Okay, would, would you preach it to somebody else? Would you advocate that somebody else should follow the teachings of what Jesus has given? Yeah, I probably would preach it. He says, great, that's what the hypocrites do. They spend all their time talking about how great Jesus is and never doing any of the things he told them to do. The heart of the matter is this. Are we surrendering? Do we surrender to the message and say, gosh, that's true. That's true, and I don't have the power to live it out. It's not of me. It's of, it's of something else. That is not a default setting I've ever come across. To love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, to be patient. Have you ever been in traffic? Do we surrender? Do we identify with these truths? Or do we say, these are actually descriptions of me. When God says that I'm redeemed and that I'm forgiven and that he has washed every sin away and that the, the, the sin that I just did is actually as far away from the east as from the west. Like, I don't, I don't read that and go, hypothetically, that makes sense. Like, no, 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 he's saying that of me. He has done that on my behalf and I have nothing to pay for. I can just come. Do we internalize that? Do we take it in? Is it part of what is, is making us who we are? I think that's the symbol of communion is, is, is internalizing the gospel of taking it into our bodies. It will be the molecules that are more of us tomorrow. Are we taking in the bread and the cup in that way? Are we surrendered? Are we identifying with that? Are we internalizing it? Then believe it or not, you ready for the storm. Our best possible life is built in total surrender to Jesus. Now that makes it sound like there's a one-size-fits-all. But the God who made all of the biodiversity that we see in creation, like that's the one you're surrendered to. Just because you surrender to him doesn't mean he's going to make you the same as everybody else. Maybe he's got something particular in mind for you. But our best possible life, on earth or after, is built in total surrender to Jesus. He offers a different picture. He... I love Jesus because he, he doesn't shy away from telling us what's true because he wants us to know that we're on the path that leads to destruction. He wants us to know that we're going to make a wreck of things. <clears throat> but he offers a different picture. He paints the, a, a beautiful picture of what life could be. So are we listening? Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. But, but do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of, these, uh, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the fire of hell. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. 
either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. 
So if your body's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. But ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. It's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew against and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Are we listening? Every time I think that I have a handle on what following Jesus looks like, I come back to this sermon and realize I have only just begun. Show me a man who has mastered the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll call him Jesus. (laughs) It's beyond us. But the picture, the hope, the steadfastness in the storm, the the true life and, and the fellowship with the Father who cares richly for us, I, I don't have anything better than that. Are we surrendering? Because our best possible life is built in total surrender to Jesus. Let's pray. I know that reading that sermon without any commentary at all, it brings up all, all kinds of trash. All kinds of objections. It lays bare our motivations. And so I'll just give us a few minutes of prayer.